Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we're going to have a, a, a little Thanksgiving season that we're going to look into these next few weeks. How many would say Thanksgiving is just all about the football and the gravy and the turkey and all that? And some of us would go, no, we're smart enough to know it's not about that, Pastor. But the truth is, is I want to challenge you these next couple of weeks to think about what are you going to do to make Thanksgiving a religious holiday for you? Did you not know that Thanksgiving is a religious Christian holiday set by, yes, the pilgrims? What do you do? Maybe, maybe it's communion with your family and everybody says what they're grateful for and they're thankful for. Maybe it's just stopping and making sure everybody has an opportunity to say to one another, I love you and I'm glad you made it this year. What do you do to give God praise and thanks? Well, let's read this scripture right off the bat. It's in Psalm chapter 69, starting at verse 30. It says, Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor Him with thanksgiving. I think the Lord's telling us right off the bat, Hey, how about a song? How about some praise on thanksgiving? Verse 31 for this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle or a turkey. More than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. The humble, what does that mean? See God at work. You're saying, God, thank you for this. God, I see you moving here. I see you do. They're giving thanks. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise His imprisoned people. Praise Him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. Now most of us know the story of the first Thanksgiving. At least we know the pilgrim version of it. But how many of us know the version of Thanksgiving from the actual Indian point of view or vantage point? It might be a little bit different than what we've been taught in our public schools. Now, I'm not talking about what the revisionists with all their political correctness and how they've diluted the scripture or the history of it all. Um, really, which is just another way of saying, hey, we're going to rewrite the history and leave out things we don't want people to know and torque things the way we want them to think. That's dangerous. As a matter of fact, you guys have probably heard a statement that, that goes something like this. You know, the history books are written by the victors. That doesn't mean all of the history is actually recorded. It just means the guys who won't get to write whatever they want. So that's very important. Why? Because there's history that's missing by design. So I'm, I'm talking about this story because this is a story that truly is amazing about how God used an Indian named Squanto 
as a rescuer, I would even say even as a savior, and as a special instrument of God's providence. Historical accounts of Squanto and his life, they vary, but these things are pretty well agreed upon. Historians believe that around 1608, more than a decade before the pilgrims landed in the New World, there was a group of English traders led by a guy named Captain Hunt. Captain Hunt went ahead and when all these Indians came to do trade because they trusted, because they had done it before, and when they went to go do this, Captain Hunt literally captured them and took them so he could sell them back in Europe. This was human trafficking. This is how Squanto got back to Europe. Now, when this went down, it's hard to imagine what would happen next. But he was in prison, Squanto was. He was transported to Spain, and there he was sold as a slave. But God had an amazing plan for one of those captured Indians, a guy named Squanto. Squanto was bought by a well-meaning Spanish monk who treated Squanto well, and and he taught Squanto the Christian faith. And it didn't really leave him all the gospel knowledge. It didn't leave him. Squanto eventually made his way to England and worked in a stable with a man by the name of John Slaney. Now, John Slaney was so nice. He was so kind to him. He said that he would try to find a way to get him on the next ship heading back to the New World. And he did. As soon as he could find a ship that was going, he got them on there. Now, that wasn't, when that actually happened, it was 1619 now. Ten years after Squano, well, he had been captured in human trafficking. When he finally got back, he only was now going to be heartbroken yet again. A plague had hit his people. And they were all decimated. He was the only one left. So he went in with another native tribe. And and while he was there, we can only imagine the grief that was constantly upon him. Why would God allow this against all odds? I don't think that was God's plan. But I think in the midst of it, just like the story of Joseph, where his brothers were were going to say, you're going to kill us, you're going to kill us. And he's saying, guys, I'm not going to do this. Just stop. He says, what you did for evil, God used to save many lives. And you're going to see that true with Squanto. So a year later, back now in the New World, a shipload of English families arrived and settled on the very land once occupied by Squanto's own native people. This was his land, his people's land. And now come these English people, the ones who enslaved him and took him to Europe. Squanto went to meet them and he started greeting them. And and he startled the pilgrims because he spoke in English. Because the monk taught him English when he was there in Spain. 
According to the diary of, of the Pilgrim Governor William Bradford, Squanto, quote, became a special instrument sent of God for our good. He went on to say, he showed us how to plant our corn where we take a fish and to procure our other commodities. He taught them to put the, the dig a hole, put a fish and put the corn in there together. And the, and the fish would act like fertilizer for the kernels of corn. If it wasn't for Squano, they would have died of starvation or of cold. When Squano lay dying of a fever, Governor Bradford wrote that their Indian friend desired the governor to pray for him, that he might go to the Englishman's God's heaven. Squanto bequeathed his, he gave all of his possessions to his English friends as a remembrance of Squanto's love for them. Wow. I don't know about you, but I, I hear that story and it just changes my understanding of Thanksgiving. Do you know it's not, I'm not, stretching this if it wasn't for squanto there probably would not be in america as we understand it today they wouldn't have made it they lost more than half of their people the first year and yet we're denied that history it's important maybe this thanksgiving you get on the internet maybe search a little bit about squanto and maybe share a little something something with your family and friends about what we could be thankful for. And that might just change a little bit about how you approach your Thanksgiving meal. Amen? A lot of that came from a guy by the name of Charles Colson. Um, he wrote a commentary called Breakpoint from 1998. and want to give credit to that. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and grace as we dive into the script, these scriptures today and think about Thanksgiving. Lord, we just pray, would you open up our heart and, and stop us from being wandering with our thoughts, that we could focus on Holy Spirit to guide us as we hear the word of God, and may it penetrate our heart. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Isn't it true that giving thanks is incredibly difficult when you know that you're being offended, that you are being disrespected by this person or those people, or you're being taken advantage of, or you're being stolen from, or you're being rejected or abandoned, and all of a sudden, God says, I want you to give thanks. Really? Did you see what they just did to me, God? Did you see how those kids were? And they're adults, God. Who, who raised up those children with my last name? Hello? And you begin to wonder, what are we supposed to do? And yet, now this verse is not in your notes and it's not in Proclaim, but I want to read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances. I, I wasn't happy when I read that one. I just wasn't. Have you ever been in a circumstance and you're like going, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm upset, I feel ripped apart, I feel like I've been gutted, and God says, be thankful in all circumstances. He's not saying be thankful for all circumstances. Very different. 
in that pit, in that horrible foulness, that stink that you're in, God says, in that mess, when you're in the pit, find a way to be thankful. Not for it, but for him. For him. Then it goes on to say, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I hope you catch this. No matter what your circumstances are, you and I are to be thankful. Not for the ugliness, but to be an attitude of gratitude in it. Oh, and now this is hard to catch because this is the secret sauce. This is the secret sauce. If I can be thankful in the midst of the worst day of my life, God says, now I can move on his behalf. Now I can move on their behalf. Because they just opened up the window to light. They opened up a doorway for me to enter through. And I can move upon them and for them. But when I speak curse and condemnation and frustration and rage back at those who I say I'm supposed to love, because now I'm gossiping, Now I'm tearing it up on the inside at them because they hurt me. God says, those are words from the father of lies. And I can't move. But when I say, Lord, I don't get this part. I can't stand the holidays. I don't want to face this part of my family. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see that. It hurts too bad. And God says, find a way to be thankful. I'm thankful in spite of all this because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I put on the armor of God. I give great joy to the king who put his arms out and died for me. I just begin to give God praise and thanks because he's Emmanuel. He's God with me, not against me. And when you begin to breathe those words of life, then life comes in you and through you in spite of the one who's out to try to steal, kill, and destroy you. You want to know what eliminates steal, kill, and destroy? Thanks. Giving thanks. It shuts the enemy of your soul up. Thank you, Lord. Well... So let's look at some things to give thanks to God of heaven for. And just, just, just three. Could we go to 3,000? Of course we could. But let's just look at a three. One here, let's give God thanks for his creation. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God... Uh, I loved it. I went to a promise keepers many, many years ago. I can't think of the man's name. He was just an incredible black pastor. And he just preached, I think, on a half hour on, in the beginning, God. And he just kept saying it. He kept saying it. And he kept saying it. And it finally penetrated in the beginning. In your beginning, in this church's beginning, in this country's beginning, in the beginning of anything and everything, God. God. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So let's kind of move in a little different direction here. Here's a simple truth, creation. We as, as, as Bible believers believe God created the heavens and the earth. And yet that's under attack even to this day, even more so even today. That simple truth of God's creation, it, it, it literally, science is the one that actually brings defense to the idea of creation, not the other way around. Science is continually catching up to what the book of Genesis has always said. Things taught in, in so-called science textbooks have been disproven over and over and over again. Up against the simplicity of creation. Let me give you a, a basic one. For instance, we hear this theory called the Big Bang Theory. Sitcom, right? They're just trying to always bring it into regular, normal, everyday life. Well, here's the basic understanding of the Big Bang. So you get all of the matter, you know, we call them planets and stuff, and you start turning it all in a circle, in a circle, and it goes faster and faster and faster. This big piece of matter, just going, 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 and all of a sudden it goes boom. But because it was going all around in this kind of direction, when it goes boom, what will each of the individual pieces that flew off of that, what would they all be doing? They'd break off and they would all be spinning in the exact same direction from its origin. Why do we have two planets that spin in opposite directions of all the other ones? So many folks out there would even say, I accept that God created the world. I just don't believe he did it in a literal six days. Come on. Now... That's dangerous to go in that direction. A lot of times we think we're just being searching for possibilities of truth. But this is where it gets really dangerous. You see, the validity of all of the Holy Scriptures is on that. If that's not true... We have problems. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 20. Remember, now this, this passage in Exodus, we're, we're probably well over two dozen generations have passed already. Okay? From Adam all the way up through, through uh, Joseph and beyond. We're, we're at least 24 generations. Now, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now here's verse 11. This is very important. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, I want you to note, if the words six days does not mean six 24 actual days, then I can go in and say Jesus didn't raise on the third day. I can say a bunch of things didn't happen. Why? Because I just struggle that God is all-powerful and He can actually do those kinds of things. You see, if that's not true 
they know, those who are in opposition to the Holy Scriptures know, they can begin to deteriorate all of the gospel and the, and the Word of God. And before you know it, the Word of God means nothing. And the history has now been stolen from you. And the generations after you would never know the story of Squanto. Are you catching this? History is important. Accuracy is important. Hidden history is important. Why? Because that's where all the good, the dark, the ugly, it's all there. But the truth, the truth will always find a way. They killed, through, they killed truth and three days later it rose from the dead. Here's another one to be thankful for. Let's give thanks for His mercy. Mercy. Mercy for salvation. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. Why is God taking so long to come get us and go to heaven? Come on, let's get with it. Is there anything in your life like that you're impatient about? I am. Come on, God, let's get it done. I'm tired of waiting. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. This scripture speaks of God's incredible mercy. Grace says, I give you that good thing which you did not earn and you do not deserve. Mercy says, I do not give you that which you definitely deserve and definitely earn because of your wickedness. And God is saying, I gave you salvation. That's mercy because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means nobody in this room and outside this room deserve salvation. I deserve to go to hell. How about you? I earned it. Because of his mercy. I'm thankful for his mercy. I can say my name's in the Lamb's book of life. Not because of what I did. But because of what he did on the cross. And that empty tomb. For me. And that's your story too. A mother, she once approached Napoleon. She was seeking a pardon for her son. And the emperor replied that the young man had committed certain crimes, not once but twice, and that he, he was worthy of death and was going to get death. But I don't ask for justice, the woman says. I know he's guilty of the crimes. I plead for mercy wow but your son doesn't deserve mercy Napoleon said sir the mother cried out it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it and mercy is all I asked for and Napoleon said I will have mercy he let her son live. Wow. Are you thankful for mercy? You know, sometimes when you 
become old. You know, we call them seasoned citizens. It's easy to take your salvation for granted. Remember when you first got saved? You went up to that altar. You cried your eyes out. You were slobbing. It wasn't pretty. You needed paper towels, not the napkins. You know, the little Kleenex wasn't enough. When was the last time you cried like that? Out of gratefulness and thanks for his mercy. When was the last time you got down on your knees and said, God, forgive me, just like you did back then. I'm so grateful for your mercy, Lord. So grateful. Here's another one. See, real thanksgiving is about having, that, of having an attitude of gratitude. So this is the primary focus that should be for Thanksgiving Day in our country. It's a time to acknowledge with an attitude of real gratitude of what God has given us all. Even in the times where we feel like we're in a pit or we feel like our nation is going over the cliff, God, I still praise you because you can do the impossible. I believe our outlook on life would be so much better if we would practice a moment of thanksgiving each and every day. I'm guilty of that. If you're really good at thanksgiving, you're not good enough at it. Do it again. I did it three times. Do it four. I did it 40. Do it 50. It's never enough. Why? Because his love is never ending. Oh God, I give you thanks. A couple of really young, mischievous little boys, as boys can be, you know. These guys were just really good pranksters. And um, they had a step-grandpa that they really didn't like much. He was just an old, cranky old guy. And long story short... They slipped something into his lemonade that was a sleep aid, and he would fall asleep real deep. And he drank that whole thing, and before you know it, he's sitting in his easy chair, and he fell asleep, propped up in the old bit. And the boys went into the kitchen, they found some cheese. Limburger cheese. And they got that cheese, and for those of you who don't know what it is, it's pure stank. It's not just stink, it's stank. And they got it, and because he was so deep in his sleep, they were able to finagle it underneath his nose and on his mustache. And when that grandpa got up from his sleep, he goes, man, this room stinks, smells. And then he took off and went into the kitchen. He goes, oh, the kitchen stinks. This whole house stinks. And then he walked outside onto the porch. Looked around the whole yard. He goes, the whole world stinks. 
You know, our attitude can be like Limburger cheese. Hello? If our attitude ain't right, it don't matter where we go. To our own house, to our friend's house, to church, to the market, to Walmart, over to a relative's house. And before you know it, it stinks. And you're cranky and you're grumbling and everything about you. And you're convinced the whole world stinks. I wonder why the Lord told us to be like little children. They're not usually critical like that. Just a thought. Oh, yes, I'm pointing with many fingers pointing back this way, guys. I feel this message. Lord, help me to have an attitude of gratitude instead of an attitude of stank everywhere I turn, everywhere I look. Colossians chapter 3.17 says, and wherever, when you see this word you, would you put your name there? So when I say whatever Marvin does, or whatever Jack does, right? You put your name there. Whatever Marvin does, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving, say it with me, thanks to God the Father through Him. That means whether I'm working or I'm playing, whether I'm at a restaurant, whether I'm just driving, no matter what I'm doing, I'm to find a way to have an attitude of gratitude to give thanks to God. That scripture is amazing. It is telling us whatever you do, whether in word, whether in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's the secret sauce to seeing the hand of God move in your life. But it takes faith to do it when things aren't going the way you want them to go. When you hurt inside, when a parent has hurt you, when a child has hurt you, when a friend, a spouse, a church, when you've been hurt at the level of your soul, God's saying, find a way to give thanks. Is God saying what they did was okay? No. Not at all. But if I turn and I say, okay, now it's time for me to throw some blows. Bah, bah. Now I'm going to get back at them. Watch what I can do on my keyboard. Woohoo! Let's go social media. No, 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 no. If I say no, I give thanks. And I'm not going to do that. I am not going to go there. How many know this is hard? Christianity's hard. Everybody who told you Christianity is easy lied to you. Why do you think everybody calls us hypocrites? Because they know how hard it is to do. But if we pull out of our gut and say, faith, rise up. Give God thanks in the middle of this. 
I don't see how to get out of it. I don't know how to stop this. I don't know how to influence this. But God, by faith, I give you thanks that you can do all things. Just start praying the word. Start praising him. And before you know it, God's going to do something you could have never thought of doing. And it would bless you and even those around you by giving thanks. So God, let's start by saying, I'm thankful for creation. I'm thankful for mercy. And as you pour out that attitude of gratitude, you'll begin to see your faith begin to grow. And you'll find a whole lot of things to say I'm, I'm thankful for. God bless your people. Lord, help us not to feel condemnation, but maybe conviction today. I feel convicted, Lord, to say, I need to give you thanks, Lord. In the middle of a struggle, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of when I feel thrown into a pit, I can say I give thanks. I can smile because greater is he in me than he that's in this world. Nothing's impossible with you, Lord. And you love me and you love them. So help us to be united for the cause of Christ. Oh, God, bless your people. Give us the faith to give thanks. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.